You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. Hey, welcome to um, Hope Bible Church. Merry Christmas to you. My name is Robbie Simons. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we are so glad that you are with us. Welcome to the hope, the hope of Christmas. And as the beautiful Christmas carol goes, as we've sung already today, a thrill of hope, a thrill of hope and the weary world rejoices. The weary world rejoices. And that's so well written because the reality is, I think we just need to be honest with ourselves right from the start. So many in this world are so weary. So many, again, being honest, so many are surrounded in darkness. That's just a fact all around us. Just the statistics are showing that. The emptiness is real. The loneliness is great. The need is so high. And I just, we're so thrilled you're here to hear the thrill of hope that you can rejoice in through the person and the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we proclaim light today. We proclaim love today. We proclaim hope today because we proclaim Jesus Christ the Lord who is the hope of the world. But hey, listen, I got to warn you as we start right now, I got to warn you. I'm not sure how you got here and all these different ways and things happening. But I mean, and don't say I didn't warn you, okay? But listen, hope, the hope of God and the love of God is, is coming for you today, all right? All right, I'm just, I'm giving you a head start here, and so you can't blame me afterwards, okay? The hope and the love of God is coming for your heart today. Uh, since Jesus Christ came, he's been changing lives every day since then, and he's not stopping today, I promise you that. Across this world right now, through this season, because he is the Lord of the universe, he is changing lives forever, and I love to know, and I love that's so true, he's coming for your heart right now through his hope and his love. I hope he gets you. I really do. In the best sense of that. Now what we're going to do right now is we're going to, I, I have no message apart from God's word. So we're going to open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 2, the gospel of Luke in the New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen for you so you can follow along as well, all right? So this is New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and I'm going to be reading a few verses of the story of Simeon. Luke chapter 2, we'll start at verse 25 for you, either Bible in your hand or verses on the screen. It says this, now there was a man, a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, notice, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit, notice how much the Holy Spirit shows up, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit again, into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took up Jesus in his arms and blessed God and said, this is the best, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. Now, this passage is dripping with hope. It is dripping. Let's get some people wet, all right? Let's get some people drenched in hope. The picture found in verse 28. So I'm just going to go verse by verse through this, and God's going to change some lives. That's how it works, okay? Leading into verse 29. So verse 28, leading into verse 29, are some of my favorite passages in Scripture, certainly pertaining to Christmas. We have Simeon who's holding the Son of God in his arms, and he blesses God, verse 29, 
Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. So what we learn here from verses 25 to 27, Simeon was waiting. Simeon was longing. In fact, it's interesting that the name Simeon means God has heard. So Simeon was crying out to the Lord, um, desiring to see Messiah, to see the Son of God. God heard his prayer, and God would meet him on this very day in an extraordinary way. Simeon was a man who was led by the Holy Spirit three times. That's indicated there in just a couple of verses. God's Spirit revealed to him he would not die before he saw the Lord's Christ. And so if you step back a little bit, what an honor to be chosen to be Simeon, to be used in this way. Of all the people, it was Simeon who would be able to hold the Son of God in his arms. Okay, now this is, now this is the part that's so awesome. Holding the Son of God in his arms, and he knew it. He knew what was happening in this moment. A little side application too. As we're looking in Scripture, notice how God sovereignly has appointments for specific individuals. Look at God ministering to this man, Simeon, the God of the universe. In theology, there's a term called the transcendence of God, meaning God is above us. God is holy. We are sinful. God is, again, he is so far apart from us in his splendor and majesty. But another theological term is the imminence of God. And the imminence of God means even though God is high and holy, he is willing to dwell with the low and humble. And this is, what, this is the whole story of Christmas. It's beautiful. It's awesome. This perfect God willing to humble himself and listen to and dwell and bless and minister among people here on this earth called human beings. This is wonderfully portrayed in the story of Simeon. And the phrase it says, Simeon says, that I can depart in peace. You know what that essentially means? Simeon says, I've seen the Christ child, now I can die. It's strong language here in the Greek. It's a very dramatic scene taking place. So when we're teaching the Bible here at Hope Bible Church, we always encourage our people, live in the text, live in the text, right? So don't just read it, but imagine you're there. It helps it come alive. What we're supposed to do, especially with narrative like this. It's telling a story. So Jesus is coming into the temple with his parents, Mary and Joseph, 40 years, he's, or 40 days old. He's 40 days old, so 40 days after his birth. And imagine being in the temple um, as a bystander. So just think of all the people that be in there, all the commotion kind of happening around. And you're there, and you look over, and you see this older man, most likely Simeon was uh, quite old, and, and you see this man hold this child, and he lifts the child up, and he says, now I can die. And you'd be looking at him, and you're like, what's up with that guy, right? And you're like, I'm not sure what's up with the guy. You say, that's one happy grandpa, right? I mean, look at him, look at him. He's, he's pretty fired up about that. But here's what's up with this guy. What's up with Simeon is he knows he's holding the Son of God. He's holding the creator of the universe. He's holding the Lamb of God, the sacrifice for our sins. He's holding the great I am. He's holding the Alpha Omega, the Alpha and the Omega. He's holding the one who holds the keys to death and Hades. He's holding the one who will judge the living and the dead. He's holding the bread of life. He is holding, again, God himself, and again, he knows it. That's awesome. And that's exactly what's happening here within this text. Verse 25 says, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. I know what consolation means. Consolation in this context means um, he's waiting for the one who's going to bring comfort. 
The one God will send to comfort his people. Now, why do God's people need comfort? They need comfort desperately because they have sin. And because anyone who sins, and the Bible says all have sinned, and because we have sinned, falls short of the glory of God. So sin always equals death. That's the worst part of sin. Sin always leads to death because sin separates us from God. So God sent his son to bring comfort to comfort us, to provide his son as the solution to sin so that we may not have to die and we can actually have eternal life in Jesus Christ. This is what Simeon was waiting to see and to hold in his very arms. Again, in verse 26, it says he was promised to see the Lord's Christ. Uh, Christ means Messiah. Messiah is anointed one. Anointed one is the chosen one that God would send to save the world. So in verse 27, he is led by the Spirit of God. He goes into the temple. He sees Mary and Joseph. He sees the child. But more importantly, he sees the Son. On the screen for you, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is a prophecy of Christ more than 600 years before Jesus even came to earth. Listen to what it says. For unto us a child is born. The child explains Jesus is fully man. The Son, notice the gift is the Son. The Son explains Jesus is fully God. So you have, today, you have hundreds of thousands of children being born across this world today. Over the course of history, you have literally billions of children who have been born. But there's only ever been one Son that is given. Jesus Christ is the only Son given by God, sent to us as fully man, Fully God as the solution to our sin, as the Savior of the world. Simeon realizes this is all culminating in this moment as he picks up the, up the Christ child. What a moment this must have been. Again, just like live in the text for a second. What kind of feelings would you have if you were Simeon? Tell me, how fast would your heart be beating? Think of the adrenaline pumping through your whole system there. And the first thing he says is, he holds the Christ child and says, now I can die in peace according to your word. Why does he say that? According to your word. Because the plan of God for salvation is precisely in action and precisely being fulfilled exactly as God determined. Simeon knows that too. The promises and the prophecies made are all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Now I can die, God, because according to your word, your plan is totally being fulfilled and is in action before my eyes. That is such an awesome thing to think about too. By the way, side note application, very important. There is without a doubt, and there's no argument for this based on factual history. Okay, again, not sure exactly where you're coming from. Jesus Christ, okay, without a shadow of the doubt, is the most influential person who has ever lived on the face of the earth. Second place isn't even close. You don't have to be a believer to know that. You just have to be any kind of reality to history. I'll say it again. There's never been a person with greater influence than Jesus Christ of Nazareth, including to this day, who is literally impacting billions of people across this world. So here's my appeal to you, okay? I, I have an appeal for wisdom. You're here right now. You don't believe or whatever it might be. You're searching. You're kind of here. I'm so glad you're here. So glad you're here. But my appeal to you on the basis of wisdom alone is this. Before you die, would it not make sense to at least investigate into, by far, without a doubt, the most influential person who's ever lived? Like, wouldn't it at least be wise to pick up a book or two and find something out about him and just kind of hear him out? And to see again, 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 you cannot argue these facts. I just suggest wisdom says, before you die, it might be wise, 
it might be a good idea to at least look into it. Can we just put the TV remote down just for a couple of minutes? Can we just put the smartphone aside just for a few moments and just take some time to at least ask the question, who was this Jesus guy? I suggest to you that's just wisdom. If in the end you do it, you're like, ah, no thanks, that's up to you and the, and the Lord. But I'm just, I'm just appealing to you right now. If I were you, I think the most foolish thing to do would be go this whole life and never ask the most basic fundamental questions of the most important person who has ever lived. Some of you are like, that's a good point. I have no idea where to start, Robbie. Okay, we want to be helpful to you, okay? On the screen right now. Single blessed place to start if you genuinely want to investigate who Jesus is. The Gospel of John. One book in the Bible. The Gospel of John. We have uh, several. Now, I made this note last service and we... we blew through these. That's encouraging, okay? But we still have enough for this service. Sorry about the next two services, all right? All right, so listen. Gospel of John, and we call it the 21-day challenge. There's 21 chapters in John, and there's a bookmark. You need one chapter a day. It might take you five to ten minutes. Try to answer one question. You say some stuff I don't understand. No problem. Who is Jesus? Just, just take, before you die, take the question. For those of you who are seeking two more books on the screen for you, two of the most influential books, one older, one newer, um, C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, perfect for those who are seeking, um, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, okay? Again, just, just wonderful examinations into the life of Jesus Christ. I just think it's wise. Take some time, read it, see what happens. Give, give Jesus a chance. Some of you are gonna be, um, right now, you're like, you know what? That'd be a great Christmas gift. And you're going to kind of nudge your mom or dad or nudge your friend who came. Hey, would you get that me for Christmas? And if they love the Lord, they'll be like, absolutely we will, all right? And they'll be doing it by the end of today, okay? I'm just saying, wisdom says the most influential person who has ever lived is worthy of investigation. And we're going to see a lot more than that as well. Simeon, being led by the Spirit of God, he uses the word peace. Now your servant can depart in peace. Why does he say Peace. Here's why. Because he's holding peace. He's holding. Isaiah 9 prophesies and calls him Jesus the Prince of Peace. Jesus is peace between man and his sin and God and his perfection. This is why Christmas is such peacetime. Christmas in the announcement with the angels, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. It's the announcement that peace is here. Why is Jesus the one to bring peace between man who's been estranged from God by the sin? Because think about it. Jesus is fully man and fully God. That's what happened when he came to earth with the incarnation, Christmas. There's only one person in the history of the universe or the world that can be mediator between sinful man and perfect God. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ comes as fully man, relates to us, as fully God, relates to God. He comes and lives and dies and pays for our sin, being sacrificed for us. So when we're over here in this massive chasm of sin, and God's over here, and we can't get there, Jesus Christ comes as our sacrifice on the cross, that we may go from our sinful state of death and transfer and travel over to life by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is peace. Every person who sins, which is everyone, is in hostility to God, is, is at, in enmity with God. This is why Christmas is such a big deal. Because Christmas time is when the Prince of Peace came. Listen, listen. And Simeon knows it. He knows it. This child is the answer to life, is the answer to remove hostility between him and his God. And now, listen, now, he says, I can die. No guilt in life, no fear in death. Because of what Christ did. Because peace is now here. 
Let me ask you a question. Number one fear among humans is death. I get it when you don't have an answer to life or death. You know, this past um, year here at Hope Bible Church, we had several funerals, a little more than normal. And I was overwhelmed on multiple occasions. In the midst, some were tragic, some were unexpected. Uh, Some came with tremendous heartbreak, of course. But I was overwhelmed at each funeral service, the incredible supernatural hope that was present in the midst of what the world would say. That's absolute tragedy. Overwhelmed by the hope. Every time I perform a funeral service, I try to put this at some point in the message. I try to say this. Every funeral service, God is holding up a sign. And the sign says life is short. And the sign says death comes for us all. No one has ever escaped death. And the sign says, what are you living for? Funerals become a huge source of opportunity to do a timeout and say, what am I living for? And you being here right now is the time for God to interact with us and to say, yeah, what are the answers? How am I making sense of this? And I think our world tries to distract ourselves into oblivion and trying to deny the ultimate questions of life. And yet to be a part of a service for the believer in Jesus Christ, because we're at peace with God, death is nothing to fear. In fact, through death, we actually start to live. Question, are you ready to die? Here's what I know, man. The reality is, a lot of us, you're not and you know it. You are terrified of this. Because at the end of the day, so what do we do? We keep trying to come up with solutions to kind of, even the fact that I'm bringing this up right now makes you uneasy a little bit, right? But I'm telling you, again, wisdom says, man, if you don't confront the reality of what's facing you, and you know what, too? It, this could be today. Could be to, we don't know. But death is coming for us all. But the, but the power the power of Simon, he says, I can die now, I mean, because I know exactly why I live, who I live for, who lives in me, and the purpose of my life, and the guarantee of my life eternal because of Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. Man, our world needs peace. We live in a crazy, frantic, rest, so many people searching. Again, in appeal for wisdom, are you and I wise enough to see and admit right now that so much of what our world does, we cope, we cope with the reality we don't have answers to life. So what we do is we try to numb our minds and escape from reality from incessant entertainment and distraction. Are you wise enough to see that your idolatry with the sports team or social media or the binge TV watching or just whatever it is, we're always trying to numb ourselves and amuse ourselves to death so in some part we can escape the reality of life and the misery we see around us. I know it's hard to face that sometimes. I'm just telling you, many, many people get all the way to the end and they've never really confronted why they're here in this life and before they know it, it's too late. I see it all the time. I'm telling you, God's grace upon you right now that you're here to hear this message in this, in this place, in this way, and to see Jesus Christ as the light of the world and the hope and the answer. I'm telling you, that, that, is, that is the grace of God. There are, there are millions of people across us who've never been able to hear a message like this in this clarity, in this way, with this much, again, emphasis on the light and love and hope of Jesus Christ. What a grace that is. God, would you use it? Would you use it? And what Simeon does now in verse 30, in verse 30 he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. That's incredible. He praises God and he declares that he's looking at the salvation of God. He's holding the Christ child. He says, my eyes are looking at the very salvation of God. The key here, he says, my eyes have seen. Simeon had the eyes to see now, I'm not talking about seeing physically here. 
We're talking about seeing spiritually. Again, live in the text. There'd be people all around. There'd be a crowd in the temple. Lots of people there. Only one, in this point, only one could truly see. We're not even totally sure if Mary and Joseph were fully up to speed on the full reality of who their son was and all his glory. Simeon was. Simeon could. Simeon did. Why could Simeon see? All these other people around the temple, they didn't see anything. One word. Ready? Faith. Faith. Faith is the reason that Simeon could see. So many other people saw the infant as a child. Simeon saw the infant as the son of God. What does our world say? Our world says, I'll believe it when I see it. What the Bible says is believing becomes seeing. It's faith that opens up spiritual eyes. It's one thing that Simeon had. Again, he had faith. The Bible, you know how clear the Bible is? Um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 on the screen for you right now. Here's what the Bible says. Without faith, without faith, it is impossible to please him, please God. The Bible's so clear. You can try to be the best person in the world, the most good works, do all the good things you want to do. The Bible makes it so clear that it'll never be good enough. Without faith, notice how clear the Bible is. It is impossible to please God. Why? Because whoever would draw near to God must believe, must believe, must believe. It's not about good works, I'm telling you. Good works comes after true faith. Good works doesn't save you. You must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith. Faith is the key. Now, there's so much intellectual evidence to things we're discussing and to do that and to fill our minds. Fantastic. But at the end of the day, it just can't be intellectual. It must also be combined with a heart of faith and the mind. And then you have a powerful combination in someone's life. Not faith in self, but faith in the Son. So what happens? Well, Without faith, Jesus is a great man. Lots of people agree with that. Without faith, Jesus is a great teacher. Lots of people believe that. Without faith, Jesus is even a powerful prophet. Lots of people would acknowledge that. But with with faith, Jesus is Lord and Savior. And this is when you don't see just a child physically. You see the Son of God spiritually. But listen, there's, there's, there's no other way than apart from faith. It, it, it must have faith. I remember my first Christmas Eve service with faith. So I grew up in the church in different ways, and, but like I was dead. Um, I, I, a church to me was so boring. I fell asleep during so many sermons. Um, didn't really have a clue what the guy was saying up at the front. Songs really meant nothing to me. I mean, I would just try to get away as much as I could, just couldn't wait it was over, all that kind of stuff, whatever. And that's kind of how I grew up, man. I just lived for self. I just want to entertain self. I just wanted to amuse myself. I just wanted to indulge myself. All of a sudden, life started to break down. I remember the first Christmas Eve service, I had faith. And I sat there, and I remember everything started to make sense to me. The songs, all of a sudden, they had so much meaning. And the pastor, I could understand what he was saying. It was so encouraging. I wasn't asleep. I was like... Say more, say more. I remember tears streaming down my cheeks and every tear was filled with the love and hope and the grace of Jesus Christ. It was awesome. I could take you to the church here in Oakville. I could take you to the row and the pew and the aisle right there in that very spot. Like, That's where it happened. I remember so clear. It was absolutely awesome. That's how real Jesus Christ is. That's what he does when you go from doubt or unbelief to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I lived it, man. I lived it. Maybe you're just like me back then. You're here right now, and I, you're me, and I was you then. I'm telling you, you start to see Jesus Christ for who he is, and his reality, and his glory, and his beauty, and his purpose, and his forgiveness, and his grace. 
You will never, ever be the same again. Do you see, dear one, Jesus Christ came to earth to be seen, to be received, to be loved, to see his forgiveness for our sins, which we need, and to see reconciliation with God, which without we will not live, to see eternal life, to look our eyes upon Jesus Christ and to see the reason, the reason that we live. Again, if you look at verses 31 now and 32, Simeon continues in this incredible passage. He says, salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Notice, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Now, the theme of light in Christmas is like awesome to me. The metaphor of light in scripture, but especially when it comes to Christmas, it is amazing. Now, think of all the stories over the centuries where evil equals darkness and light equals good or good equals light. You ever notice that Darth Vader has one outfit? Like, it's always black. Never shows up in some turquoise suit or something like that. Like, it's always black. How about um, Voldemort and all his cronies, okay? All they do is wear black. It's always dark and gloomy around them. Just once, like, see, Voldemort showed up with, like, a bright orange Hawaiian shirt. Like, that would be amazing to see that, right? Or how about, how about Sauron and, and Modor? It's always shrouded in darkness, man. The sun never seems to shine there. Like every scene you see Sauron, just darkness everywhere, just gloom and just death and destruction and despair. How about the Chronicles of Narnia? Uh, the Wicked Witch, man, she, she, she has a scene set up where it's perpetual winter. But it's never Christmas, it says. How awful. Winter's bad enough by itself, isn't it? Never having Christmas? No thanks. No thanks. All these, all these depictions, and I could even say even the movie Frozen depicts that, but it's the last thing I'll say about that right now, okay? I can't, can't talk about that anymore, okay? But listen, it's amazing to me, or even, the, even this very week, winter solstice, the darkest day of the year, and we get over the hump, and I'm like, yay, yay, and every morning now, it starts to get lighter and lighter, and when you feel hope, as I do, you feel hope. Sitting, wake up, I wake up early, and you're sitting in the darkness, and the sun finally starts to rise a few days ago from now, whatever, and you see the sunrise, and you're like, in your face, darkness, and you feel light, and imagine the sun didn't come up, imagine the sun didn't come up. The despair and the hopelessness, it's just, it's this massive metaphor throughout all our lives to say light equals hope. And there's never been a greater source of light and love and hope and power than Jesus of Nazareth, who the Bible says is the light of the world. And Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world and the hope that he brings. Who needs that hope today? You are here for this reason, appointed by God. To know that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Look at these verses on the screen. Prophesying light in Jesus. Isaiah 9 said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Uh, John chapter 1 says the light, and the light here is Jesus. The light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This light will not lose. He is undefeated for all time. Zechariah in Luke chapter 1, prophesying the birth of Christ, says, Sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness. Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. Listen, listen. I am the, who's this for right now? I am the, this could change your life right now. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Here's the promise. Here's the promise. Oh, Lord, use it now. Use it now. But we'll have the light of life. There's only one person we can find that promise in. There's only one person. 
being declared for you today, as clear as I can be. It's Jesus Christ the Lord, Simeon holding the child. He says, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. This light was revealed at the first Christmas. And listen, when you see this light with eyes of faith, you are instantly transformed. You will never be the same again. When you see the light as the source of forgiveness for sins, and you believe in Jesus Christ in his life and death and resurrection from the dead, then you become with him. He saves you. You are redeemed. Never the same again. Here's what you need to know too. This light, this Christmas light in Christ, it will, when you have it, no matter what happens, no matter how you're treated, no matter what life brings you, no matter even if you die, this light will never, ever go out. Ever. This light cannot be extinguished because it is the light of the Lord, is the light of the world, is the light of the Son of God who shines and will carry you on literally for all of eternity. I'm telling you, some of you are here right now for this moment. For the first time ever, his light shines in your darkness. For the first time ever, his light is shining in your darkness right now, and you know it. And his love is absolutely incredible. You know, you look at the the words of the Christmas carol we sang this evening on the screen for you. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. But sin does. It just, I need to get out of this. It's, it's devastating my life. Notice, till he appeared in the soul. The soul felt its worth. There's no true worth apart from Christ. When he comes, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks, listen, the new and glorious, the morning has come. The, 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 the light of God coming, shining upon the horizon right now in Jesus Christ. Glory to God, hallelujah, awesome. Right now, this message, the light of peace, the light of salvation, the light of love, the light of grace, the light of hope. For those in despair, for those who deserve punishment and judgment, for those lonely and lost, for those imprisoned in sin, for those who are enemies of God, Jesus Christ becomes the light and the solution for everything. And listen, this gift is wrapped up for you today in one person and one person only. Again, his name is Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. Let me just ask you right now, won't you receive him today? Why wait a second longer? Again, you may never hear this message again. You may never have the opportunity. You don't know what's going to happen when you leave this place right now. You may never hear this again. And I just implore you, I earnestly, earnestly beg you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ and see salvation and forgiveness of sins. And life will not become easier. I promise you, it will not become easier. All your problems don't get solved here. It gets harder. You have the hope of eternal life in the future, freedom from sin. You will spend forever and ever with Jesus Christ in heaven. Again, again, where all sin and sickness and death is removed forever. That is only found in the promises of Jesus Christ. I pray this Christmas is the best Christmas you've ever known because it's the Christmas that you've met, received, and loved Jesus Christ. May it be so. Let me pray for us. Lord, I do pray that. I pray so much, Lord, that you would be working, opening eyes, granting faith, bringing healing to those who are so broken, encouragement to those who are so discouraged, bringing forgiveness to those who are so bitter, bringing, Lord, joy to those who are so angry, bringing, Lord, a freedom to those who are in captivity. 
bringing, Lord, clarity to those who are lost. Jesus, that's why you came. That's why the angels sang. That's why Simeon was overjoyed holding your son. And that's why we sing right now these truths too. So, Lord, work in our midst. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.